Person of Interest Podcast, episode number two, Nautilus Review. You are being watched. An artificial intelligence, a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins, is spying on you every hour of every day. We designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering and exploiting anything related to bringing down those who will use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up and you're part of our team. Hello and welcome to Person of Interest Podcast. I'm Daryl and tonight, today, I think I'm shooting for a B plus, Doug. I don't want to make it too obvious. <laughs> no, no, don't don't call attention to yourself. That's right. No need for that. And I'm Doug, just peering over the observation deck. I've been up there. It's uh, it's vertigo inducing. Ah, we're glad to have you with us for. Well, we're covering the person of interest episode for season four, episode two, which originally aired September thirtieth, two thousand and fourteen, entitled. Nautilus. Indeed. And there wasn't really much water involved. <laughs> no, 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 there wasn't really, no. Yeah. Well, this episode was written by Dan Dietz, I'm going to go with. Yeah, when they were ta- when they tweeted something about, hey, you want the details about this thing, here's the Dietz about ah, it. So I think that's very what clever. Do. I missed that. And uh, his co-writer was Melissa Shrivener-Love, and this was directed by Chris Fisher. So, hey, before we get into tonight's episode, we want to let you know that you can support the Person of Interest podcast by going over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash Amazon. And then anything you purchase via Amazon by using that link is going to give us a commission. You'll get the same Amazon low prices and quick shipping, and we'll get a little bit of, uh, we'll They'll carve a little bit of that off and hand it to us as a token of their appreciation. So we would appreciate it if you would shop at Amazon by going to goldenspiralmedia.com slash Amazon. All right, Doug, got some news for us tonight. We well, do. You know what? Can uh, I, can, I'm sorry. I, I need to interrupt you because I have to take care of something before we, we get into the news. I, I Before I forget. Fair enough. Because Karen is in the chat room right now. We're broadcasting this live <laughs> as we record it. You know, I mentioned in one of my stuff I learned yesterday. No, it was a video that I sent to the Golden Spiral Media community of hosts earlier this week. And she mentioned that I didn't give her thanks in that video. That was because I planned on giving her thanks in this podcast tonight. And I really do appreciate Karen. Uh, it was it was hard to not be here last week for the season premiere, not the pilot. <laughs> she busted my chops on. <laughs> What's funny is... You guys have no idea how many retakes I had to do to send in that three minute long. It was like I had never <laughs> spoken into a microphone before. <laughs> and I couldn't even come up with, with Carter. You know, I, I called her Jocelyn in my I sat there for probably a full minute going, Jocelyn, what's the last name? What's <laughs> I don't I don't know. Just going with Jocelyn. I'm running with it. So I couldn't even put together sentences, so uh, I'm surprised it came out as well as it did. But Decima's not dead as far as I know, but she was right. I did call it the pilot. And uh, thank you, Karen, for filling in. You did, you did a fantastic job. Maybe she, you should fill in every We had a good week. time. Yeah. We had a very good time. <laughs> it was just like old times. It was just like we'd podcasted the day before or something. Yeah, is that how you did it? Was You did it one, you did one day for Under the Dome? And- we did Under the Dome on Wednesday and Person of Interest on Thursday. I see. Well, you guys. Yowza, that was a big week. Yeah. Well, and she also had Sleepy Hollow last week, so she was like the podcasting queen. Well, and, and some other things, too. I think she does a Castle podcast. They were doing that because it was season premiere. Well, those don't oh, matter. Man. They're not Golden Spiral Media podcasts. Oh, well, okay. Well, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Karen. All righty. Well, let's move on to the news. Uh, and actually, I got to say that um, I took uh, a pointer from Karen as far as picking up the the places where you get the ratings here. And so here we go. Uh, Person of Interest got a 1.8 rating, which is up 6% from the 1.7 last year's premiere. Nice. So that's a good thing. And when we talk about ratings, we're talking about the magic, magical, super important 18 to 49 demographic. Mm -hmm. So 1.8 was second place for the 10 p.m. hour. We had Chicago Fire, which was which killed. 
like crazy. And Forever, which was a little below. I like Forever. That's a very interesting show, but I can't watch it on on, uh, on mm-hmm. Tuesday because I'm watching Person of Interest. Uh, so I got a 1.8 rating, but it had 10 and three quarters million viewers, and that was first place. Right. Because that's total viewers, whereas the 1.8 is the 18 to 49 crowd. Now, uh, CBS's viewership, as I understand, kind of skews older mm-hmm. than normal, so it so more of it is outside of that magic demographic. So that's why you get more viewers, but you come in second place on uh, on, on the ratings. And and this older demographic also could not hear the Morse code coming out of the phone last year. <laughs> nice callback. Oh man! Well, it was funny because I you know I figured it was just it was not really there when when we actually watched it. But then I found out later from, well, I, I think from you, that you had heard us, that you'd heard it, really? And I asked my daughter, who had been in the room uh, when we were watching, and she said, you didn't? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm outside the demographic. There you are. Yeah, well, and that's just a real thing. I, we watch this thing, thing called Brain Games from time to time, and they've done that same experiment on there. And there were some frequencies that my kids could hear that I couldn't because oh. they did a wider spectrum of frequencies. So, you know, it's just the way it is. As we get older, we... we lose the ability to hear certain frequencies. But speaking of Morse code, Easter eggs or whatever, mm-hmm. did you know, I know you know, but the, for the listeners, did you know that there is a hidden Morse code message in the intro of this podcast? Ooh. And it's very so anybody, apropos to bring it up this week. Uh, sure, yes. Looking for clues. So if anybody can decipher that Morse code... I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you what I'll do. If if somebody can decipher, I don't think this is going to happen because it's it's partially obstructed by some of your words. But but if they can, and that would be cool if they did, I'll I'll send you out a Golden Spiral Media T-shirt. The first person, to, if if you can figure it out what what it says, because it, it does say something very specific, uh, I'll send you out a Golden Spiral Media T-shirt. How's that? Ah, that's pretty cool. And you know, even with the obscured uh, Morse code, you can probably maybe figure out. If you're missing a letter or two, you can probably figure out what they are. Probably so. So, yes. so it's not impossible. And it's not Doug's mom. <laughs> just, just putting that out there. <laughs> no, no, she's not listening. All right. All right. Well, Doug, what was your episode rating this week? Um, It was a great episode for getting things started, getting balls rolling, getting uh, reintroducing our folks to us again. So I gave it eight lost dogs. It was, um, like I said, it wasn't a blockbuster, and it was like getting all the chess pieces. We talk about sometimes the 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 little uh, uh, euphemism, not euphemism, but the there's a word for it. I'm trying drawing a blank on it. Carter, no. Um, the the word picture you use is you're moving the chess pieces into place like near the end of the season. Well, we were kind of just setting them up in this episode, mm-hmm. and it wasn't really a blockbuster. It was really good as far as getting the. Um, you know the band back together again, and also mm-hmm. the the mystery uh, was really well done in this. And I, as I understood, there are some guys who spent you know that their whole job was to get these clues. How are we you know what clues are we going to do? You know the painting and the banners and and all that stuff. Man, a lot they did a great job. Yeah, they really really did. It was it was very clever. In fact, I think one of the writers came up with the the clue where you had to stand in the middle of the road and the and the stoplights made uh, braille. I think that was one of the writers that came up with that one. That's not, amazing. Don't, don't quote me on that. Yeah, uh, I, I liked it a lot too. I give it eight logarithmic spirals. Where have I heard that term spiral before? Mm, I don't know, man. Maybe it's a metaphor for something. Oh, man, alive. All right, well, let's talk about the episode. Well, the the first thing I was listening for, because we didn't get that last week. We did not get an introduction. You are being watched, yada, yada, yada. Well, this week, for season four, they've changed it to "We Are Being Watched," and I that was that just jumped right out to me because yes, I, did, I missed that. That seems, gosh, how how did I miss that? We are being huh. watched, not you, but yeah. now you know all of us. And and we had the return of the phrase "hunted by the authorities" because I think we had that in the first season, but I think it was gone because mm-hmm. they weren't really. That, that that wasn't really the main thing, you know. At the beginning, uh, Carter and Fusco were really hunting them down, mm-hmm. and this season, clearly, you know, the the Samaritan AI is hunting them down, right? But so yeah. it was it was slightly different. We had the Samaritan view of all the you know uh, the 
video feeds and all that. I really like that. I, I, there had to be some change. And, and since we didn't get it last week, I was really looking forward it this week. Yeah. I'm feeling a little bit outdated. You know, we just put together the artwork about, I don't know, a month or so ago for this podcast. And it's really, I, I think it's really sharp looking artwork. We brought in uh, some, some different graphical elements to do that. But now with the Samaritan being the primary machine graphic that we're getting on the show, even like the person of interest wiki has updated some of their graphics to match the Samaritan graphic scheme. And, and of course our podcast artwork is looking like the, uh, the old machine, but that's okay. We are still team machine here. We're not outdated. We are loyal team machine enthusiasts. How's that? The machine is still out there. Mm-hmm. It as is. we found out. That's right. That's right. Well, I, I liked it that they were already really engaged using the private network that we saw last week. That was a, it was great last week to get that episode out there. Uh, as I said in the feedback, it seemed pretty obvious that this was going to be a, a network that they were going to be able to utilize. And it's really important. I mean, communication is extremely important to this group. So it was great to see them right off the bat using that network to uh, to get more things done than they were able to before. One of the things at the beginning I thought was interesting was Finch. Not, uh, yeah, Finch referred to it as your number, talking to Reese. Uh, Reese, I guess, somehow... Got it. We haven't seen the new method of, you know, receiving these numbers, but but Finch is kind of distancing himself from all of that. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to stay below the radar. I'm going to do my teaching job, and uh, you guys, whatever you want to do, you know, do it. But I'm not saving people. If we can take down Samaritan, that's great, I would imagine, is his thought. But he's out of the, you know, the saving people business. So he's, yeah, this is yours. Go, you know, handle it, handle it, whatever way you want to do with it. Right. That's very much one of the, the purposes of this episode was to get Finch re-engaged. Although when you look at at the very end of the episode, when, when he reveals the new library, you know, the subway Bat tunnel, cave. the yeah, the Batcave, he... That didn't happen overnight, nor did I, nor did all of that get wired and ready to go by itself, nor did it get all wired and ready to go um at the end w- without him right exactly that too so he's been kind of you know he's been preparing he's he's been doing some stuff he, he was willing to get back in the game but this episode was very much about making the machine working working finch back into the uh back into the team which which was cool we needed to see that we needed to see why he would be willing to get back into the game which was a good good purpose for us and speaking of the game that's what really got him into it was Trying to figure mm-hmm. out the clues for this uh, this weird game that uh, that uh, Claire was uh, trying to figure out, and that got him into it, but not so much it, at the beginning. I think not so much for her, but but even though that she kind of uh, spoke to him on a uh, very similar interests point of view, you right. know, math genius, chess master, that sort of thing. Um, I don't know how much of a computer hacker she was, but clearly she knew she was. Well, I guess it was enough to do to use it for encryption and stuff like that. You know what would have been cool, though, if, as as great as it was to see Finch be the one, and it made a lot of sense for Finch to to be the one that would reach out to her because of what they had in common. I think she and Root have more in common than she and Finch do. You know, they're two young women. Root was her one day is really the way that I look at it. And Root was at that position where she would do, and still will, whatever the machine beckons her to do. And where obviously Root now has a better understanding of the machine and a different relationship with the machine than Claire did here. Um, very, very, very different. But I still feel like Claire is on a path that Root stood in or at at one point in her life. So it might have made more sense to have Root be the one that was kind of trying to bring her into safety and, and convince her as to what the bigger picture was. But having said that, there was nothing wrong with Finch doing it, and, and there was a lot of value in that too. Yeah, I, I liked that he was, um, you know, because it made him care again. You know, he, it, you right. get the impression that he was not going to care anymore. I can't do that. I can't afford to do that. So this gave him, and Root at this point is just a, I don't know, she, she just she does whatever the machine tells her to and not from a, there's not an intent behind it. I'm doing what she tells me to do. So there's no caring, there's no, you know, that sort of thing. She doesn't do what she used to do, you know, she's kneecapping with the best of them now. But right. 
but she doesn't have that uh, human connection. She's more connected to the machine than she is with people. Mm-hmm. Yep. But one of the great things that brought uh, Finch into this was this game that they were playing. And I said that a minute ago and didn't do it as a pun. You picked up on the fact that I said you, know, you brought him back into the game. But that is very much what got him into this episode, as you said, or, or back into the game. Um this idea of Nautilus shells being this sort of scavenger hunt slash real world puzzle. I thought that was a really fascinating and interesting storyline. We'll talk about it when we get into some of our real world news at the, after our discussion, but this turns out to be a much more realistic thing than I thought. But, but this whole idea was foreign to me. It was a new concept to me. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was really cool. I wish they would have allowed us to try to play the, the game's a little bit more, but there were so many different puzzles. There really wasn't en- enough time, I don't think, to l- allow the audience to kind of simmer on each one and try to solve it. It had to be difficult enough so that the audience couldn't just say, oh, yeah, that, no big deal. Right, right. Yeah, it was cool. I loved it. I, I, I was thinking, gee, this seems kind of over the top, but again, as you'll see later, it's it's been done before. Yeah, so. yeah not at all. I'm, I'm wondering if the writers knew about it. I'm sure they must have known about that. They must have. Look, they... They they have their fingers in so much information that's out there when they're writing this show. I, I I have to say I have to think that they they were aware of that and said, yeah, we can we can use that headline or that that real world scenario because it fit perfectly. Did you see the fact that it was um, Samaritan behind the whole deal? Was that something that you saw coming, or were you surprised by that? No, I was surprised by that. I thought they were going to introduce. Kind of like they've done before, like a third party, um, like uh, HR or like Vigilance or something like that. I thought this was going to be yet another um, group either trying to thwart one or the other, depending on how much they knew about either one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be the introduction of a third party, but uh, but it was uh, it, it made they set it up to make sense that yeah okay this is a uh, this is a test to see if I can number one trust you and. Uh, and and if you have the uh, the smarts and all that to to be uh, to be and essentially yes you're right she is like what root is to the machine it can manipulate her and to tell her to do exactly what she wants and she doesn't have a you know this human connection anymore to uh, to the people who uh, she may or may not be I mean, I mean essentially Samaritan's putting together its own team machine exactly right or at least that's what I think is is coming down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I didn't see it coming either. And when when Finch figured it out, when she figured it out pretty quickly, and then when he did, and his computer got traced and hacked, and he throws it out the window, you know that was that really was alarming. I mean, that was showing us just how insidious this 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 machine is that they are they are up against, and and how powerful it is. Um. So it was cool when we figured it out. But yes, I, I do believe that Samaritan seems to be building its own team machine. This this organization that it built to create this game was to weed out and recruit um, the best of the best for its own purposes. And that's that's pretty scary when you think about it. And they dropped uh, a number, and, you know, in retrospect, uh, you know, 2020 hindsight here, in retrospect, they, they dropped enough hints to let us know that before the end that uh, that this must be something not human, so to speak. Like you said, uh, Finch throwing his computer out the window because it's being hacked just insanely fast. Mm-hmm. And then also the uh, the email they, the guy got who was told to put this poster out with the, you know the lost dog and the and the number which turned into a GPS thing, it seemed to have materialized right in his inbox. Right, it didn't come from anywhere, you know. So they they had, so I, I credit them for that. They had dropped enough hints, and that's good writing too. You you want to be able to, it, it was something that J. Michael Straczynski of uh, he was writer of Babylon Five, but he was all he had also written some things for like Murder She Wrote back in the day, and the thing he said was you're what you really want to do is to make sure that you give enough clues and give them in such a way that half the audience knows where you're going and half the audience doesn't. Right. And so I think, you know, and that's the sign of good writing, and I think that's what they uh, they managed to work out here, that you, you look back and it's like, oh, for crying out loud, of course. Yeah. And the game is was afoot in this episode, quite literally with the Nautilus game, 
And we also had some allusions to chess in this game, uh, at least in referencing how good uh, Claire was at chess. And of course, Finch has quite an, an affection for the game as well. But that's very, very much what's going on here. Even though this episode was was focusing on how do we get Finch back into the game? How do we deal with this number of the week? What is actually manipulating the number of the week? When you When you take one step back, you see that also at play here is this chess match that's going on between the machine and between Samaritan. Because the machine is so, so clever to be able to do what it did in this episode, what it has done. You know, it's the one that gave Root the false identities and told her and, and equipped her to, to, to go and hack that server that we saw in the last season finale. It's the one that is still, we don't know what in the world Root is doing, but whatever she's doing, she's doing it at the bidding of the machine. And the machine is keeping our band of heroes multiple steps ahead of Samaritan at this point. The machine is what led Finch to the, uh, the underground tunnels with the subway station. And it's doing this all the while without being detected by Samaritan. I mean, these two machines here are playing a game of chess with each other because at the same time, Samaritan is doing its darndest to figure out where these people are. And so that to me is, is also just as fascinating as everything else that's going on here is, is realizing that everything that our team is able to accomplish, they're doing it because that machine is still out there and because that machine is still capable of, of being ahead of Samaritan. And that's going to be incredibly important because Samaritan can't achieve its purposes without human intervention and the machine can't achieve its purposes without human intervention either. And it makes it for a fascinating, uh, compelling story week, week in and week, week out. It's kind of like an actual chess game where you've got two players who are outside of the game and they're moving their pawns, which are inside of the game. Exactly. Yeah. These two machines are outside and they, but they need people as pawns to, to move them and, and, uh, you know, check and, you know, capture and all that stuff. So, so what we saw today was the, uh, emergence of a new pawn. That's right. And it could be that, that Finch's machine is just luring Samaritan into a false sense of security so that it can come in with a, a get it right into position where it's a, it's a checkmate situation. But there'll be a lot of points and counterpoints between, between here and checkmate. I'm, I'm quite sure. That'll be interesting to watch to see how, you know, see how these moves are made. And, you know, again, a lot of it's going to be hindsight. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I see where we're going with this now. And, and, uh, but, but all during the, the uh, while the game is going on, uh, the viewer as well as, each of the machines is uh, is not going to be knowing what the other is doing. Yeah. What I was wondering about was the insertion of, I think, either silver pool or one word silver pole. I wasn't quite sure how they were pronouncing it. I think it's but, silver pool with two L's. I'll look that up. I think I looked that up on the wiki today, and that's the way they oh, okay. had it spelled, but I'll, I'll double check that. Well, the, the insertion of them into this whole thing, because Samaritan asked her first to actually hack, you know, one of their uh, documents and would know that therefore they are going to send out people to try to take her out because they now have, she now has their data. Mm-hmm. But if it hadn't been for Reese, you know, they may have taken her out. Is this something that, or maybe maybe if Reese hadn't done anything, like at the very end, She's clearly, you know, outgunned, and there they are, and suddenly, bang, 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 all three go down. We don't see who does it. Uh, we, so this is clearly, and, and and that was the way that Samaritan convinced her that he can protect her and all that. Right? Was she ever really in danger? Was the whole point to let her notice that these guys are following her and then have them taken out? I wasn't really sure what the I, I would have been, been would have been very interesting to see beforehand. Like Reese takes out one guy, but another guy suddenly I don't know trips on something or is, <laughs> is taken out with a from a sniper or something. Who knows? But but so so I don't know what would have happened prior to that. I assume that something would have happened to these guys who were following her, because like I said at the end, boom, they are all gone. Right. Well, maybe that was part of the. Uh, Samaritan's game was in order to win the game, if you want to be on my team, I need the best and brightest and I need you to be able to defeat all enemies that you're facing, not just the puzzles, 
with the various obstacles, which are the, the other players who were playing. They were tr- Some of them were trying to sabotage each other. So maybe if she would have been killed by Silverpool, it is two L's, it's one word, Silverpool, um, okay. you know, maybe the machine would have said, well, you know, only the strong survive. But but you're right. It could have been quite quite the other thing where, where uh, kind of like the, there's a movie called The Game. Have you seen this? Yes. Yeah. Kinda, oh, wow. Yeah. So maybe something like that. Um, I wonder too, though, two, two, two also uh, very similar questions come to my mind. And that is, first off, did Samaritan also create this game in order to lure Finch out? I mean, it's the type of thing that would, if, if you're, you know, Samaritan is still looking for these people. It's just that when it sees them, it doesn't identify them as the people it's looking for. So it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic, but it's still looking for them. So did it create the game in order to lure out Finch? I don't know. Uh, I th- but what I what I the other question is: Did the machine know all along that Samaritan was behind this game when it gave that number to John? Um, was it John that got the number, right? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Um, did it know that Samaritan was behind the happenings that was causing this POI, causing that number to come up? You know what I mean? And, yeah. and by doing so, was it, because again, we're talking about this chess game here. I don't know what the purpose of it was. I could you know speculate on it a little bit, but I'm just wondering if all along the machine knew that it was putting John in a position and Finch in a position uh, to be more aware of what Samaritan was already doing around them. Well, and also, was it, I mean, what was the point of giving John the number if he can't save her? Because ultimately, ultimately, at the end, she she goes to the dark side. Right. So, you know, we weren't sure, she, was she a victim? Was she, a, well, you know, she was potentially a perpetrator. She had a gun, you know, and was going to get take out anybody in her way but uh yeah was uh, yeah like you said it, it, maybe this was more than just a save this person or arrest this person this was number one save her if you can but number two oh by the way can do you see what's happening here mm-hmm. well it was different too to see finch make those comments of you have to let people make their own decisions i mean that's not really something that we had we had seen him do in the past it's it really is i got a, yeah i got the impression that this was something he had said before but i didn't recall it i didn't recall it either if he did so listeners correct us if we're wrong but this seems to be maybe either a, a past realization that has, has become fresh in his mind again because of you know the recent developments or maybe we're missing it but you know we don't really see any of that in the in the previous seasons of them allowing a, the poi to make their own decisions um, maybe with the exception in a twisted way of when John left the two people on the boat to, to kind of work out their own problems. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let them make their own decisions. Right, right. <laughs> At least not to come to mind anyway. No, yeah, I think that was kind of a, kind of a new thing there. But yeah, that was that was clearly the the message that either uh, that Finch was trying to get, but also that he used ultimately at the end to let her say, "Look, I know what's going on. I'm trying to help you." If you're not going to take advantage of it, you know I'm doing the best I can, mm-hmm. and and this is going to be something that, you know, makes it tougher for him to be involved in this. Um, if we can't, because whenever they tried, you know, in the past three seasons full of almost every time they have been successful at either you know arresting the bad guy or saving the innocent guy or girl or whatever, and so they've they've had this track record of success, and now all of a sudden. Eh, they may or may not decide to accept your help. I mean, they've taken they've taken to kidnapping people, bringing them to their you know uh, safe house, and then explaining them here's what's going on, here's how we're going to help you. And fi- and there was a c- couple of cases I believe where you know they said, okay, sure, go ahead and help me. And as soon as you turn your back, I'm out the door, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They made their own exactly. decision, but that wasn't that wasn't considered a good thing, right? So. Exactly. So how cool was it? We're, we're solving these codes. We're, we're, you know, uh, Finch is doing a really good job of, of keeping up with the code breaking because he's good at that sort of thing. But they've got this one with all these random letters, and they're trying to solve it. And Fusco comes along. He says, "Hey, let me take a look at it. 
I'm I'm kind of good at these sorts of things. And he he gets kind of he gets to look like okay, whatever, man. Yeah, and and the viewer is the viewer is going e- e- yeah, right, okay. <laughs> Yes, and he Let's solves the math it instantly with that. Well, you know, none of them are higher than G. It's it's music. I loved it. Now, now that now that is, I mean, that is, uh, I mean, how many people would know that? You know, how many people know enough about music that you know A B C D E F G is all you got? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that was interesting. I, we haven't seen his musical talents in the past. It would have been been interesting to have some of that uh, prior to this, but. But that was cool. That was cool. Good old Fusco. Yeah. I thought it was awesome and hilarious. Now we're going to have, uh, I, I tweeted out right at that moment, actually. I said, uh, so we're going to have Fusco on The Voice next week singing Frank Sinatra? I guess uh, because of the musical tie-in? Yes. Well, because it was New York, New York. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, There's got to be a tie-in there. I'm not I'm not catching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Start spreading the news. There we go. You need to be on The Voice. Yeah. I'm leaving today. <laughs> this is my this is my Bill Murray doing doing Frank Sinatra. Uh oh, you've just gone into multiple <laughs> levels there. <laughs> I want to be a part of it, you <laughs> knucklehead. New anyway. <clears throat> okay. Uh, sorry, <laughs> that was pretty good. I well, liked, thank you. I liked it. I'm here all week. All right, glad to hear it. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to look at my notes and see where we're at now. I'm, I've uh, I've covered almost all of mine. If I can jump to the end, I think if there's nothing else you want to hit before then. Go ahead and jump to the end. That's pretty much where I'm at, too. All right. I love the new Batcave. Um, as they were talking about it, you know, Finch and Reese talking about uh, a lot of antiques in here. And I forget which one of them said it. I think uh, Reese did. He said, like us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so and, and that's, you know, that's true. They're older. They're not as young as Root and Shaw. Um and he says they're trying to make us irrelevant, but we still work. And so I thought that was a it was a great little uh, feel good moment there. And uh, Finch talks about not not standing by and watching his friends do the work that he started. Right, he realizes, I love that yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, a lot of value in that. And you think about the private network that they're on, based on last week's episode. That was an old technology that they tapped into. Mm-hmm, VHF. Root mm-hmm. is the analog interface. She's also the one keeping them alive right now. So in in those two contexts, it seemed very fitting as well. And when you think about it, actually, the library was, was kind of a, an antique mm-hmm. itself. You know, how many people really go to the library anymore to just sit and study and, and you know, that, that sort of thing. Most people go there. I, the last time I was there when the, I had kids were younger, We'd go there, and most people were sitting on the free computers playing RuneScape or something, you know, and very few people actually checking out books, you know. Mm-hmm. Check out CDs, check in books, not so much. And so uh, so using those, using the using not just the library, but the books themselves to get the numbers. Still don't know this season yet how Reese got his number, because they don't have any library books to pull off the shelf and figure out what's going on. So, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure how they... And there's no books down in the... Or not many, at least down in the uh, the new lair, the new Batcave. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what how the machine adapts to this new situation. I'm sure it's already figured it out because it pointed him there in the first place. Well, he was at the station when he got the number, wasn't he? I uh, oh, that's true. Uh, I think I think so. So maybe it'll just tap into police databases or hmm. something to to help him. I don't know. We'll find out. I mean, we'll we'll find a pattern uh, emerge quickly. I'm sure. Um, man, the new layer is fantastic. Did you read the article I sent you today on that? I don't know. I did post something on uh, the Person of Interest podcast Facebook group. Yes, that I saw the Person of Interest official site uh, post about you know giving information about and a few pictures of the new. Uh, okay, the new yeah, set, that's the same the article. Layer, yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe I tweeted. I don't know that I sent that. It was the other article I sent to you yesterday that you're going to talk about in a minute. But yeah, that that's the same article. Really, really cool. They 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 built that set. It's four thousand square feet. Which is massive. I, you know, I don't know how big a normal set is, though. Maybe that's normal. That subway car they shipped in from California. Well, you think there'd be plenty of subway cars somewhere in New York, in New York but they shipped. Maybe they ship them off to California because they have space to throw them out there in the desert, or maybe something. that's what the museum is, or something. Yeah, 
but they brought it in and they, they say that if you look at it, they were very particular in the way that they designed that. It's designed to be a subway station that was built around the turn of the last century and last used between the 1920s and the 1940s. It has gas lamp fixtures that were converted for electricity. So they have cages over them so that the original gas lamps wouldn't catch you on fire. <laughs> um, and they, of course, they're being used for electrical now, and they've got dimmers on them, practical dimmers, so that they can control lighting in various situations around it. There are doors coming in and out of it from all sorts of directions, which is going to give them the ability to make interesting entrances and interesting getaways and lead off to interesting places. And some of the pictures I've seen of next week, they spend a lot of time there. Yeah. So we're going to see a lot of it next week. They said they spent a lot of money on the set and they're going to get their money worth out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a beautiful set. And it had the, you probably noticed the IRT. Yes. I don't know what it stands well, I, for. Do you know what I it stands for? I don't know for? either. But T is probably transit. I'm assuming Rapid so. transit. Maybe, maybe it is. It's whatever the 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 transit authority, um, mass, tra- mass transit authority, whatever the abbreviation is now, uh, something TA. Now, um, oh, MTA, but it's run by a company called the Port Authority. Okay. But so, yeah, MTA, I, I don't, so it could be either, you know, the, the transit system itself or the company that's uh, that runs it i don't, I don't know yeah so it, irt is what it was before nta which is appropriate for the period it was last used so really cool inter yeah. interboro oh. is that what the i stands for that would i have sense. no idea i I'm would just, like that yeah came right out of my head all right that's a good idea all right what else doug I uh I I would like to move on. All right, I have another comment, but I'm gonna, I'm pretty sure if I remember the feedback we have, it comes up there. So I'm going to save my oh, final alrighty. comments for there. So I'm ready to move on when you are. All righty. Uh, what hits? You sent this to me earlier. I had a different thing. We're going to have that like we did last week, a kind of surveillance in the news segment. And I had something else here, and then Daryl sent me something else uh, earlier this week, and I was like, oh man, this is absolutely. This absolutely makes uh, perfect sense to highlight its current events, and it has to do with what we had in last week's episode about getting those VHF antennas together. Uh, This is from Yahoo News. The headline is, Why Hong Kong Protesters Are Using Fire Chat for Peer-to-Peer Communications on Their Mobiles. Uh, Protesters in Hong Kong are using WhatsApp, Twitter, and any number of messaging and social media services to communicate and coordinate their activities as tensions with local Chinese authorities intensify. Uh, As as an aside, this is a protest over the fact that China promised they would have uh, democratic elections in 2016 and didn't look like it was going to happen. So a lot of the Hong Kong the youth especially are out there uh, protesting. It says, says, but one app in particular is getting more attention than usual, Fire Chat. Okay, we know about WhatsApp, we know about Twitter, we know about Facebook and all those things, but here, here's is an interesting little feature of this one. The messaging app created by Open Garden can send and receive messages without an internet connection. It uses peer-to-beer, <laughs> peer-to-beer, <laughs> hey. peer-to-peer Bluetooth and Wi-Fi Direct connections to link to other nearby fire chat enabled devices so if you have enough of these devices in the same area the result is a massive mesh network in which every handset can message every other handset in a daisy chain fashion without ever sending a packet any data over an internet router so one phone to the next phone to the next phone right there and we know that china has uh, been notorious for censoring the internet shutting down certain uh, features certain applications in uh, rough times and, you know, during things like, you know, a, a, a protest. Mm-hmm. Well, this keeps people in the, you know, in their, uh, in their own group. All It's like a massive, I guess, massive Twitter account there. And, but, but again, if, the, when they're, when the internet is open, it can also travel over across the internet too. But if it doesn't have that available, it just travels from one phone to the next, kind of like one VHF antenna to another. So uh, so that's cool. So far, Hong Kong Internet services haven't been blocked, and the cellular networks are still online, though they're really congested. But CNN reports that the Chinese government is blocking protest news and social media posts on China's mainland, and they shut down Instagram completely. So if a mass wave of Internet censorship and network blocking does hit Hong Kong, 
fire chat's going to be and uh, is going to be the way to get in touch. They're going to continue to function even without any internet at all. That is absolutely cool. Unless they want to shut down the, I don't know, the whole cellular network and no, nobody can make cell calls, but um, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, even then, it, I talked about, I don't know how uh, Wi-Fi direct connections work. I know you could you could um, ad hoc connections. Like my, my phone can have an ad hoc relationship uh, connected to my digital SLR camera, for example, where it's just those two communicating without any other type of device needed. It sounds similar to what these, these guys are able to achieve. So even if they did shut down cellular networks, the devices themselves might still be able to connect with the antenna built directly into them. Yeah, Wi-Fi still works without a uh, without a cell signal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right, right. I think it's fascinating. I, that that's just it's just and the whole idea is you know it doesn't matter you know Wi-Fi is a transport mechanism. Mm-hmm. It is not it is not necessarily a an internet thing though. Most people use it for the internet, but it can just be you can put whatever data you want out on the Wi-Fi. Right there, it goes. Same with the Bluetooth, although the Bluetooth uh, range is is quite a bit smaller, but still it, it's able to do uh, just directly back and forth. People, you use you use Bluetooth all the time if you have a wireless mouse or, or keyboard, or you know it's it's used. You know if you have a or a, a or a little headset for yep, your phone. Yeah, yep, exactly. So very cool. Well, we also wanted to talk about this game. You know, the whole idea in this episode was this game of trying to find the Nautilus shells, which uh, then led you to a puzzle that you would have to solve to get to the next point in the game. Uh, this is ripped right out of the headlines again. Cicada 3301 is the name of the game that was given to an enigmatic organization that on three occasions has posted a set of complex puzzles to recruit capable cryptanalysts from the public. And in this episode, they mentioned that they had, it happened three times before. So that, again, they're pulling it right out of the headlines. Around the world, yeah. Yep. The first puzzle started on January 5th, 2012 and ran for approximately one month. A second round began exactly one year later on January 5th, 2013. And a third round happened uh, on January 5th, 2014. And that was because of a a clue, a fresh clue was posted on Twitter on that date. Uh, The stated intent was to recruit intelligent individuals by presenting a series of puzzles which were to be solved, each in order to find the next. The puzzles focused heavily on data security, cryptography, and uh, steganography. steganography. What is steganography? Steganography is hiding a message inside the file of a graphic. Oh, for example, yeah. yeah for example, uh, you know the the for each pixel you have a number for the red value, the green value, and the blue value. But for example, you can change one of those bits slightly, and doesn't really change the look of the picture. But having changed it, then. Uh, that means that's a one, and change it someplace else, it's a zero, and that whole thing. And then you you hide the uh, uh, an entire message inside uh, a graphic file like that, and the, you don't really notice the difference in the, the picture itself. Right. All right. We've seen that used in different spy purposes on on movies and TV. I just didn't know what it was called. Yeah, but the, or the study of st- it could be the study of um, uh, stegosauruses. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. You'll be here all week, right? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, the article, this is straight out of Wikipedia, by the way. It says, it has been called the most elaborate and mysterious puzzle of the Internet age and is listed as one of the top five eeriest unsolved mysteries <laughs> of the Internet by the Washington Post. That's a pretty cool title. The eeriest unsolved mystery, yeah. yes. Yeah. Much speculation exists as to its purpose, Many have speculated that it is a recruitment tool for the NSA, the CIA, or MI6. The usual suspects. Yeah, or perhaps a cyber mercenary group, which is what we kind of thought was going on here in this this episode at first. We thought it might be, like you mentioned, um, uh, gosh, help me out. Vigilance Vigilance, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Others have claimed that it is an alternate reality game, but the fact that no company or individual has taken credit or tried to monetize it combined with the fact that none who have solved the puzzles have ever come forward, has led most to feel that it is not. It doesn't sound like one. 
Others have claimed it is uh, run by a bank working on cryptocurrency. I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe if you win the game, then you're part of some sort of secret group, and that's why they're not coming forward. I don't. If you win the game, you don't talk about the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the first rule of winning the that's game. That's the first rule of the of the game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean NSA, CIA, MI6. Those are all the usual suspects. That uh, it must be them. I, I it it could be. I I suppose. Um, my guess it is a corporation that is trying to maybe you know recruit the smartest, the, you know, the best and brightest in that field for whatever reason. Yeah, or some organization like Anonymous or something like that that has whatever various purposes. I mean, Anonymous has their reasons, and, and there are other groups, I'm sure, that are like them that are lesser known that have their own reasons for existing. Uh, I, that's what I would lean towards is some organization like that. Man, that's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, when you, It is. Who would have thought that something like this, to, to this level actually exists and has been done three times before. And, and there were pictures, it was interesting pictures on that Wikipedia page mm-hmm. of like a telephone pole with a, you know, something wrapped around it with a picture of a cicada. They have a kind of a logo and then um, uh, a 2D barcode, a little, uh, oh, what are they called? It was a QR code, uh, wasn't it? QR code, yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just like telephone pole with, oh, I don't know, a lost dog on it with a, with a, a legend phone number. phone number on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> So cool. So these guys, these writers must have known about There's this. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. They said, we can do this and then put our own little spend on it. Spend. I said spend. I'm sure they spent money to do it too. <laughs> I'm sure they did. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. All right. We're going to get some feedback going on? Uh, no, I don't like the sound of feedback. It makes all the in my head and I, I'm really how, not. How is that again? I, there's a guy, I do sound at the church, and there is a guy who can make the sound of like a low tone, just kind of making, getting louder and louder, and you're looking on the board to try to shut that down and figure out where it's coming from, and it's him sitting next to you. Thank you. That's funny. You should get a feedback suppressor. <laughs> there you go. Or a ball to that. throw at him or yes. something. <laughs> Fly swatter. Yeah. Thank you. Stop it. We don't have any music for introing to, to feedback. I'm I'm uh, falling down on my job. Dun, 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 dun. Hey, here you go. Start spreading the news. <laughs> That's all we need right there. I'm leaving the feedback. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, we got some feedback, feedback, sorry, from uh, from Doc H, and he is talking about the first episode of this season, Panopticon. And he said, good point about Reese being recognized at the precinct. Uh, we'd mentioned something about that. Why didn't anybody notice him? Well, maybe you know a lot of the HR folks had left, and uh, not everybody remembers every guy that came in. He says, however, he had been working as a cop already, and nobody recognized the man in the suit at his previous position, narcotics, or when he was introducing himself with the U.S. Marshal credentials he nabbed in season two. So maybe it's really convenient. He's got a face that's easy to forget. No, no. Anyway, that was my aside. Anyway, the FBI task force members might recognize him before anyone else, but I imagine if anyone on the force gets curious about his particular familiarity to them, he always has the out, oh, yeah, I was undercover back then, trying to flush out the HR folks. Mm. Eh, That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Dismissing whatever concerns he might arouse. Okay. Plus... Big city cops see hundreds of rap sheets, bolos, and APBs every month. They could easily forget what Reese looked like in a major metropolitan area with more than 20 million citizens, visitors, and tourists at any given kind. So, yeah, anonymity by sheer volume. Mm. And uh, Doc H says, the sidebar, nice job, Karen. You are new to me, but did a great job guest hosting for uh, Daryl who? (laughs) I don't know who that guy is. Oh, yeah, he's somebody out there. Okay. Hey, I wouldn't mind literally phoning it in from Hawaii every week. Here's my three-minute segment. <laughs> literally phoning it in. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was good. I loved it. All right. Thanks, Doc. Uh, this one comes in from Michael in Minnesota, who happens to be joining us. We're doing this uh, podcast live. We're live streaming it, which we might do that every week. So make sure you're following us on Twitter and Facebook. We'll give that information in just a little bit. But... Uh, we announced it a little while ago that we were going to stream tonight, and Michael is here. Thank you for that. Uh, he says, uh, and again, this is about last week's episode. So this was the first episode of Person of Interest that I've seen, and I was very impressed. I decided to give it a try because Golden Spiral Media was covering it, 
even though it didn't seem like my type of show from what I had heard about it. And I'm glad I did. I'm surprised at how easy it was to get into without having seen the previous seasons. I already have a sort of feel for the characters' personalities and the main points of the story. He did add in the chat room um, a little bit ago that that Root was the one that he was having the the hardest time getting a a bead on, but that's primarily because we've seen the least (laughs) of her so far. Yeah, and she had a really weird uh, introduction to us too. Right. And has taken quite a ride. Yeah, if that's if if this season is all you've seen of Root, it would be definitely it would hard to be be hard to to figure her out. But I'll just say, Michael, she's my favorite character, so uh, give her some time. Hopefully, they'll expose more of her uh, her character to you. Uh, let's see, where did I leave off here? Mm-mm-mm. Okay. The intro podcast helped me with that as well. I plan to continue watching, and I look forward to listening to the podcast to fill me in on things a new viewer like myself may have missed. Thanks for introducing me to this show, Golden Spiral Media. Keep up the good work on all your podcasts. Thank you, Michael. Well, I wonder what you had heard about it that you thought it wasn't going to be something you liked. we got to get better press out there for this. Well, it is a little bit different than if if you're a JJ fan and you like the mysterious stuff like Fringe and the and the deeper sci-fi stuff like um, like uh, Lost and Fringe and stuff like that. This kind of came across early as a as just kind of a cop procedural, and it was that at first. So, I think if if like for me, I tuned into like the first three or four episodes of POI, and then it was like a cop procedural, which I'm not a big watcher of and so i tuned out for a while until it got less so of that and people were like no no you need to tune back Stick in with it. yeah so maybe he did the same thing and i want to thank michael also because in the chat room he posted a link to the wikipedia article for the interborough rapid transit company you were right <laughs> i got it oh man gold star for doug <laughs> Way to uh, go. For Michael, too, yes. Of all the words that I could have been, you picked that word. That's that's really <laughs> quite impressive, Doug. Well, it's New York. We're going to keep a, you around uh, for another week. Okay, well, I'll I'll try to work uh, I'll try to work my magic next time and get uh, get hired on for another week. I'll likely kill it's, you it's, in the morning, wait. but for now. <laughs> <laughs> it's touch and go here at GSM. Thank you. Yes. We have some feedback from a fellow with a great name in Austin, Texas. His name is Doug. Uh-oh, we only have room for one of those in this podcast. Yeah, no relation, I don't think. <laughs> he said, I was a long-time listener of the Fringe podcast. And uh, that's good. That's a good thing. I, I have to say that uh, my introduction to GSM was not for the Fringe podcast, unfortunately. I, I was listening to uh, another another Fringe podcast back in the day. But I've... Uh, you know, I've been I've been brought uh, into the fold. I'm wondering. I'm lo- I'm loving it. This was uh, I, this is new news to me, Doug. I, I am. Uh, was it, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to talk after after this is over. So he was Doug was this Doug in Austin, Texas was a longtime <laughs> listener to the Fringe podcast. Although he never wrote or called in, so I'm happy to find your POI podcast. And he wrote here. I know this is oh, awesome. Yeah. He just needed another Doug to to relate to to, to write. Makes in. made him feel more at home. Yes. Yeah. He says, I've been racking my brain for hours. That, that sounds like it hurts. I just cannot figure out which episode they, not sure who, were in a woman's apartment, and they deduced from a blanket and a box of crackers that the man they were looking for had been holed up in a bunker. Later was explained that there had been 13 of these bunkers, and 12 of them had been closed, and the 13th had been forgotten about. I've been thinking that is where Harold ended up at the end of Panopticon. But I want to go back and rewatch it. Can any of you help? And to that, I would answer a hearty, nope, can't help you. I don't recall that. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I'm doing uh, some keyword searching on the person of interest uh, wiki page. Obviously, he didn't end up in a bunker. He he wound up in a in a uh, subway. Subway. But based on what we saw last week, there was no way to, to really know that. The person of interest wiki is a a must for any real person of interest fan. If you really need to go back and figure out what the heck's going on, I remember when we were doing TV talk, they um, Root had to go and get some fella, Jason Greenfield, and we thought mm-hmm. I never heard that name before. And somebody reminded us, um, yeah, they mentioned him, uh, you know, five or six episodes ago, but I did mention him, and so like, oh yeah, there's the person of interest wiki. So that's a um, that's a great resource. 
Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm not finding it over there either. I've got one more episode. I did a keyword search for bunker. Nothing came up. I did a keyword search for blanket. Three episodes came up. Crackers. I should try crackers. Yeah, I'm not getting anything. So I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not remembering that either. Perhaps there's another listener with better memories than the two Dougs and I. We can that will uh, set us all straight. Hi, this is Daryl and my other brother Doug. My other brother Doug. <laughs> oh, it was it was Larry and the Daryls. I'm sorry. Yes, don't don't leave out Larry. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Doug. Sorry we couldn't answer your question on the episode, but at least we all know the answer now to where Finch wound up. So, POI solved that one for us without without us having to speculate. All right, we have a new one for this week's episode that came in for Barb by the way of audio feedback, so let's give it a listen. Hello, Daryl and Doug. This is Barb, a.k.a. Tanger14, with feedback on this week's Person of Interest episode, Nautilus. I'll give this epi 8.5 Golden Spiral Staircases. Very interesting introduction for what I believe we will see this season, an epic battle between the two machines, Ours, that was badly wounded at the end of last season, and Samaritans, that is for the time being, in the power position. But we all know that you can lose the battle and then win the war. But here's my question. Was the game truly a way for the Samaritan organization to recruit people to do its bidding, or has the Samaritan machine gone rogue, and has it developed some characteristics of our machine, looking for its own special numbers, The difference is that our machine generates its numbers so that our team can help people in a servant fashion, and the Samaritan machine seemed to generate this game with the intent of being the protector, more godlike in nature. Remember that the Samaritan organization apparently has a hit chick who is eliminating threats, much like our Shaw of old. Why would the Samaritan organization recruit virtual unknowns? Anyway... My beat the machine is that we will see crazy math chick again and that ultimately the team will save her and defeat the Samaritan machine by introducing a complicated mathematical program to change its logic from godlike to servant-like. But remember, my predictions are always wrong. So glad you guys are giving us a longer podcast on POI. This is Barb signing out and staying clear of perfume counter girls. <laughs> Very nice. And I have to say, I, I I saw what you did there, Barb. Barb wrote in every week for our Under the Dome podcast, and there was a, a character on there that kind of came up out of the lake. And I think uh, it started with uh, with Karen calling her Crazy Lake Chick, and, and I think Barb picked up on this. She called her Crazy Lake Chick. Well, now we have Crazy Math Chick. <laughs> Well, it's a, it's a thing with Barb. Um, when we were, she was with us in Hawaii last week, and she always referred to Emily as crazy Minnesota chick. So I, oh, okay, yeah, all right. It's, it's it, which is <laughs> accurate if you ask me. Oh, maybe it, maybe it did start with uh, with Barb. Alrighty, okay. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, it was cool meeting Barb. I got to meet her for the first time in Hawaii last week, which. Uh, which was cool. If uh, she she sat in while we did while we did our uh, our finale episode on on Lost, we did you know the end, and I didn't mm-hmm. have a mic for her, um, so she and she she didn't necessarily want to get behind the mic for the whole thing, but she would chime in from time to time. You could kind of hear her off mic just a little bit, but she's fun. <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna see uh, Clara uh, more. As we go along, like I said, I think she is the beginning of a new Team Samaritan. Mm-hmm. No question. Yeah, that was what the the thing I was going to get circle back around to, but I, I knew Barb was going to mention it. Yeah, I don't see any reason why we won't see Claire again. I think the question might be uh, how big of a player will she be? Will she just be a pawn that gets eliminated the next time we see her? Will she see the true nature of Samaritan and then become... A, uh, a player on the inside or will she continue to be deceived or, or at least feel like Samaritan has a purpose that she can get behind, you know? So what, what role will she play in the longer term? Is a, is She's a at least question. aware that there is another side mm-hmm. to this whole thing, that, uh, that there is somebody who's trying to save her from that. 
Yeah, it saved her from the mess that it created. I mean, it was its own it was its own situation, danger that it had created, and then it saved her from it to give her the well, sense I, that it, it. I'm thinking more of I'm thinking more of, of Finch. Oh, oh, oh! I'm that sorry. there is that other side. Yes, yeah, I got you. Yep, sorry, I misunderstood you. Yeah, but but, but in doing what it did, where it created a, a scenario where it saved her from its own danger, it gave her a false sense of security, a false sense of of indebtedness to whatever it is indeed yeah so it 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 creates the uh creates the need fills it and makes you want more of it so yeah that's um that's the uh to lure her into thinking that well i don't know who you are maybe you are the good guys you're the bad guys i don't know but this side is protecting me right all righty well let's move on to what's on next week oh my goodness if you if you if you're into spoilers, this is not really spoilery, you know, it's just kind of the standard uh, information that CBS has put out. Yeah, just a press release. But, yeah, that's not spoilery. Although I did not watch the preview. I, I, I usually can't get the thing turned off in time, and I end up watching the previews for whatever show that I'm podcasting about. Ah, this time I was fast on the button, got it turned off before they showed <laughs> any previews for next week. Oh, well, now you're going to hear about it. That's all right. That's not right. quite the same yeah, thing. Yeah, it's though. not quite the same. Okay, now this the the opening phrase is just classic. <laughs> Fusco becomes a ladies' man. That's all you need, right there. <laughs> I'm picturing leisure suit, leisure suit, bushy chest hair. <laughs> huh? Oh, um, I can see. Yeah, I mean that's 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 Fusco. You know. Uh, you I mean, do it. there it is. Right, there. I, we don't need it anymore. <laughs> But there is a little more. Fus- Fusco becomes a ladies' man and a target when Finch asks him to stay close to a professional wingman whose number has come up. Uh, and that, that's their opening little t- their opening little uh, blurb. And this is Finch recruits Fusco to stick close to the latest POI, but learning how to approach women soon becomes the least of his worries. Meanwhile, Reese must find a way to play by the rules at his new day job. As the machine sends Finch and Root on a mysterious errand. So it sounds like we got like an A, B, and a C uh, story next week. Mm-hmm. Boy, Root and Finch paired together. That'll be fun. Well, I mean, yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a awkward situation. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And the name of the episode next week is Wingman. Is Wingman. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Should be. Sounds like it'll be a fun episode. Written by Amanda Siegel and directed by Fred Toy. I've always you pronounced it. You are a toy. <laughs> I've always pronounced it Toye, and I don't know that that's Toye. right. He's done a lot of writing know. for Fringe, and uh, he I think he wrote an episode of Almost Human, maybe, um, or directed. And I, I said writing, but yeah, he's been he's been a JJ or a Bad Robot director for a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah. We've got a big, long, I'm not going to go through them, but we've got a, a list of about a dozen guest cast for next week. So this is going to be a uh, a big a big crowd jumping in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, none of those names really jump out at me as people that I've seen do other things. Well, there is one character they refer to as Jumpy Jerry. <laughs> so that one jumps out to me. <laughs> Quite literally. Well, sort of <laughs> literally. Thank you. The name literally. Well, Doug, I think that's it. We want to we want to invite all all of the listeners to participate in our show. This show is is not complete unless it has you in it. We want your feedback, and you can do that in a number of ways. You can follow us over on Twitter. It's POI Podcast GSM. A couple of TLAs there. Thank you for that. Three letter acronyms. Yes. Yeah. POI Podcast GSM. Gotcha. And of course, the official Golden Spiral Media Twitter is GSM Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook. Doug, what's the URL for that? Oh, facebook.com slash groups slash person of interest GSM. I might have to change the uh, cover of that, the cover art of that, because it uses the old machine viewpoint thing. I may have to get the Samaritan viewpoint Mm -hmm. on there. And, of course, the official Golden Spiral Media Facebook is Facebook dot com slash golden spiral media now if you want to send in your feedback the best ways to do that are to give us a call on the golden spiral media voice feedback line that number is 304-837-2278 and you can also head over to golden slash feedback 
And from there, you'll have a whole variety of ways that you can send in your feedback, including typing out a contribution, uploading an audio file, or uh, utilizing the SpeakPipe widget to record your contribution. We would love to hear from you. For next week's episode, Wingman. Daryl, you going to be my wingman? I'll be yours if you'll be mine. All right. We're, we're, we're together, man. All right. I'm going to try to grow some chest hair between now and then. <laughs> and buy yourself a polyester suit. That's right. Well, I've got plenty of those. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Don't you? Uh, back in the day, yeah, yes. I don't, Actually, I don't know if I fit into them anymore. <laughs> That's the question. All right. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Person of Interest Podcast. It's great to be back. Thanks again, Karen, for filling in for me last week. And thank you for listening to this episode of Person of Interest Podcast. Until next time, I'm Daryl. And I'm Doug saying that if your number comes up, we hope there's a man in a good, nicely tailored suit watching over you. Or a woman drinking a latte not with soy milk. Go cow or go home! <laughs> <laughs>